Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Missy. How are you? I actually didn't get my music connected, but you know what? It's all good. I'm going to jump into the message anyway. I'm running late again. But I hope you guys are doing okay this afternoon. It's good to see everybody. It's good to see you guys over here on YouTube and Facebook. I do have a prophetic revelation for today about where we're at. <clears throat> it's been a challenging day, but it's been a good day. So I'm going to go ahead and, hey, Sonia. Hi, Cynthia. How's it going this afternoon? Hope everybody's doing well. I do have a message for you today about where we're at. We've entered into a new prophetic month, um, if you've been tracking uh, with the outer gates. Hey, Stacy. Good afternoon, man. Good to see everybody this afternoon. So welcome, Facebook. Welcome, YouTube. It's good to see you. Uh, yeah, I do have a prophetic revelation, though, for today. For the Rev, though, but the, the season's <clears throat> date... <clears throat> And by the way, I'm seeing I'm going to see an allergist after this call today. So I'm really, really happy I got tested because <clears throat> I've never had this gunk before. I've never had issues with allergies, not like this. And this is crazy, but I'm so ready for something to be done about it and to feel better. I don't feel necessarily bad. It's just that I'm tired of the hacking. So hopefully you're not going through the same thing I'm going through. But anyway, what's the word? The 15 minute title is new time. All things made new. Digital nomads. Did you know that you were a digital nomad? For those of you who are trying to get out from anything, apparatus of religion. <clears throat> and the Lord says you are not God. He's trying to teach the body that we are not God. We're not each other's God. We're definitely not him. Whether you're a leader or you're a follower, you are not God. But anyways, the Lord, excuse me, not the enemy. No, not the enemy. The Lord is saying... Hello, all you digital nomads. If you know anything about a nomad, <clears throat> the nomad is someone who feels like they have no home. But God is telling you in this season, I am your home. And I'm bringing you back to love. The true love of Christ and all things are fixing to be made new. So that's the new place that we're stepping into right now is God starts to ready the hearts of his people to come back home and things are shifting. Things are changing. We're seeing a, a definite uh, separation between the goats and the sheep. We're seeing definite uh, hearts for who they are. And I'm going to get into that here in a second too, but what's witchcraft hitting you with right now? We're going to cover a few things about that for intercessors and front runners. Um, we're in the last two days of Bacillus. Thank God. Thank God. That's all I can say is thank God. Um, it's been a hairy one this year. <clears throat> We've had to really stay on top of that. Uh, two more days today. We're almost done with today. So actually a day and a half of this thing. And it's at a crescendo right now. So we need to stay right on top of this and making sure that uh, we're binding spirits of early death assignments and freak accidents. Um, that we're doing exactly what he's telling us to do. Covering your animals, your angels, your families, everything making sure you're staying right in alignment with God. But we're in the last two days of this thing. And uh, <clears throat> this season has proven itself every bit true as far as what this demon does. Um, but everything around us is moving now. Everyone should be if you've transitioned out of the old and you made it through the eye of God, you've chosen to get free. You should be moving in God's new direction of time. Okay. We live by season of seed plus time equals harvest. And I'm sorry for the quality over here on Facebook or excuse me on YouTube. I can upload the other one for better quality in a second. But um, God's moving us out of the old and into the new. So things have begun to quieten down as we sense the king walk into the room. How many of you have been feeling or sensing the spirit of the king, God the Father, raise up around you in the last couple of days? Me. Most definitely, I've been sensing him all around me. <clears throat> um, as we've entered into the new season of Elul, where the king is in the field. Um, and it's it's not just because of that. We've actually entered into this new field or new level with Christ. When the kings, or when the king leads us into the new place, or the new location he meant for us to walk in, it's actually a new level of fighting. Hey, James. But it also means we have a brand new level of responsibility. 
Because for front runners, what we need to understand is that for those carrying the gift of love, the presence of God on our vessels from birth, hello, some are given the gift of joy, others faith, very, very few are given the gift of love from birth. This is the new breed of warrior God's bringing onto the scene right now. And we serve only at the pleasure of the king. We don't serve man. We don't serve ourselves. We only serve him. We only serve love. And your understanding of who you think he is versus who Christ says he is may be two separate things. A lot of people, I think, in this hour are really being set up for a rude awakening as to where they thought that they were versus where God's showing them they are in the spirit. And a lot of people aren't hitting the finish line. They're not coming through out of the old into the new. And so they're getting shocked in this moment. But this is a new breed. For those of you who have been faithful, this new breed is coming onto the scene. And God is bringing us forth with the king because he never sends his forces into battle alone. That's the blessing of this new level of love we're operating in right now. And we're seeing a side of Christ like we've never seen before because he's with us all the time. And he's, he's, he's ordering all of our footsteps forward. Everything is ordered. Everything in your life has been predestined before you were born. If you're a front runner operating in this capacity, you literally are an armor bearer to the king's heart. Those are the people with the gift of love. <clears throat> and if this is you, I can guarantee to you that there was some point in your life, probably when you were really young, where you operated in such pureness that the love of the Lord was all around you. And it's all you've ever known was the love of Christ. And so I would also be willing to bet you that a lot of you are Joseph's and that you were set up by the enemy through trauma and through heartache and through witchcraft to, and, and I, and this is all part of the plan of the enemy to target you because what the Lord had shown me was that the enemy, the Lord knew us before the foundations of the earth. So before you got here, you had a job. Okay, you were an armor bearer to the king's heart before you got here. You'll go back home to heaven and you will be an armor bearer once you get there. You had the same job. But again, God wasn't going to send you into battle alone. But the enemy, which you got into the earth because he was cast down into the earth, he recognized the anointing. He had never seen that anointing outside of heaven. He'd never seen this anointing outside of heaven. Hey, Susan, I forgot to call you, but I will. Um, now he's recognizing, and the enemy doesn't know the future. Hey, Connie. He doesn't know the future. He only knows the present. He can only guess by putting pieces of the puzzle together or by things that we say. That's why you don't want to say everything that God's doing in your life. You don't want to give uh, lip service to it because you give him ammo and, and areas to target in your life to try to destroy. So you don't ever want to tell him. But he put, put two and two together and started figuring out who we were. And so when that happened, he targeted us through witchcraft. He had the witches and Satanists come in and try to lay out demonic ley lines and grids and different generational cursings and things to where we would be constantly under attack, <clears throat> constantly under barrage. And there were so many cursings that were allowed in at a young age because of generational sin. But also he tried to get us into sin to sabotage the new move way ahead of time. It was way back when. He, he took a shot in the dark, in my opinion. And God said, you want to bet? And God was like, you want to bet? Let me just show you how big I am. And so the Lord started running hard after a lot of you. After I know he ran hard after me. He ran hard after me in the movie industry and stuff. And he saved me, got me saved young. But then I still rebelled for five years of my life and went on. I was designing for churches, being used by Christ to design big, big shows for churches. And I had a choir director tell me one day because missy we're going to pray for you to design for big churches and i spun around in front of all these pastors and i said don't you dare i'm going to hollywood and god let me and that's a story i've already told a million times but he went after me god went after me he let me do it for a short season and then i walked in on set one day and i said i hate this job and he said good 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 now let's do what i want you to do and so here i am and i'm sure the same of several of you have the same type of story where god is kind of gone run after you and he uh what do you say <laughs> he he kind of in, entrapped you if you will not entrapped that's not a good word but it's more he he coaxed us into doing things his way because he had a he has a plan he had a plan in the future and he wanted us to participate in it and it was to help set many 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 free 
to help people come back into the glory and back into love. And I've had many, many encounters in heaven. I was given a key ring many, many years ago, 35 years ago with thousands and thousands of keys on there. And I had no clue what it meant um, that Jesus gave me. And it's proven itself every bit true where Jesus has unlocked door after door after door after door um, to help us step out of the old and into the new as we, we come forward into time, we come forward into God's heart. And that's the biggest fear of the enemy because he's so afraid. And I've known this for years that if we ever got back into this place and I was doggone determined, I knew way back when, when I was going through hell, that if I didn't, I just knew there had to be a way back. I thought, this is so crazy. My life used to be so good. It used to be golden. And then my covering was ripped off through rich witchcraft because that's what he set us up for. He tried to go after most of your coverings to where you would be exposed to witchcraft if he could get to you, if your parents weren't strong Christians. And he was after the head. And I bet you 10 to 1, some of you who went after your fathers. And so he goes after the head because if he can take the head out, then he gets to the vessel and he can take the vessel out that's a threat to him. And that's when that's what came after me and all hell let loose against me where I'd once been really, really protected. And then I had to learn about all this crazy train stuff and all the mantles of my my family. I have multi-generational uh, intercessors and uh, military personnel. Fort Hood is named after my family. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you background or warfare, but it's a mantle. And so. God has specific vessels into the earth and we can't. Let me say this. Father, order my words, please. Psalms 37, 23. You know, God is putting us into the earth in this hour to try to raise up kingdom. And I can't do what you do and you can't do what I do. And, it, and it's really, he's bringing us back to the basics of level. We really <clears throat> honor what he's given us already. <clears throat> Instead of always feeling insignificant or feeling like, you know, I need to feel important to God. I need to feel important to somebody because we may not have been or may not have felt significant in our past to those that we cherished and loved. But you don't have to prove yourself to God. You don't. He's going to prove himself through you and he's going to show himself to be true because he's a God that doesn't lie. First of all, he finishes what he starts and he's not an Indian giver. He doesn't send us into a place and say, well, I changed my mind, you know, if, especially if you're being obedient. He's not going to change his mind on what he's called you to do. He's, he's actually uh, intent on having you finish because he's going to be glorified in the matter. That's the whole point of it, to show how he can take the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And so we're in this season now where the Lord is bringing us up and out. And he's, we've now stepped into a place where demonic glass ceilings that have kept us out of the right place at the right time, because our times are in God's hands. He can do anything he desires to keep his newly trained forces near his person. He's going to keep you near him, by the way. Hi, Ida. He's going to keep us near him. He's not going to let you stray too far if you're called to serve and be an armor bearer for the Lord. Again, we serve at the pleasure of the king, not man. That's the difference between the new forces coming onto the scene and the old forces. Because a lot of people got caught up in the old movement of serving themselves and serving man. Trying to prove themselves to man instead of allowing God to prove himself through us. And trusting God with their destiny uh, and letting God order their footsteps into that place of glory, into that place of fullness as an instrument of the king. But God is not here to prove himself to anybody. He's trying to show man who's God and who's not. That's where we're at. And God's not sharing the throne. But we're being brought forth in this hour to help bring back true nobility, true honor, and the deep love of Christ. 1 Peter 1.22 Which is not built on any man-made system, but only through the love of Christ, his ways in his words, through his protocol. And the Lord says, I've seen enough. I've seen enough, says the Lord, to base my decisions on this new change that he'd already put in place a long time ago. God doesn't change his mind about how he decides to work through time or work through seasons. It was always predestined. 
And so we either choose to participate with him and we get included in the process or we get disqualified. We can be, we can disqualify ourselves. And so that's the first part. <clears throat> Pardon me for intercessors though. We're going to shift over real quick before I get into the message. And I need to make you aware of what's coming up the next couple of weeks. We're heading into tomorrow's the last day of August. Tomorrow will be the crescendo of Basilisk, so be uh, be aware of that. Be careful. <clears throat> Sorry. And as we head into September, that's where the real shift comes. And this is the beginning of uh, Chamber 3. I call it C3, where we start seeing a lot of angelic activity. We see a lot of angelic activity from September through January, but especially from beginning of November to January 1. Oh my goodness, it's my favorite time of the year. I love November through January 1. And I'm a, I love Christmas, but I really love it because of the angelic activity. And I love it because of the way the Lord draws near his people. <clears throat> Pardon me. But for intercessors, this is what you need to worry about for September. September 7th, the 10th, the 21st, and the 22nd. You've got... Four demonic witchcraft holidays that you need to be aware of. You're going to be dealing with the full moon on the 10th. Um, they have a a type of a, I'm not going to say it's, it's an event, but it's not a, a feast, so to speak. But it, it entails different types of magic. It entails the lesser light, uh, magic rituals and spells, macro, micro spells, innocent blood sacrifices. And it also includes, and it's, and it's set in place for... Uh, the increase of demonic anointings. Remember, when we came through the season of Bacillus, the season of Bacillus was set in or set in place to cause more or deeper degradations in society. And it wears a belt of deception where we're supposed to be wearing a belt of truth. Okay, that's our armor. <clears throat> but it, it's a blanket spell placed over big people groups through macro magic and it's a, a layering effect, like a grid, if you will, to where people are affected by the witchcraft on these on this particular spell and how it confuses them with strange fire. It calls right wrong and wrong right. And remember I told you in C2 when we came through, before we came through the eye of God, you're always walking through the entire time of C2 and it increases as you come into the crescendo place of the eye of the needle of the ninth of Ab, where you're getting hit with Holy Ghost fire, you're getting hit with strange fire. So strange fire represents the flesh, the demonic zodiac, the heart of the enemy, or you have a choice of to choose to trust God, to walk in Holy Ghost fire, to keep decreeing a thing, decreeing a thing, decreeing a thing, uh, attaining the mind of Christ. So you're reliant, you're walking by blind faith at that point, and you're relying upon the mind of Christ to lead you. Your only, only, the only thing you have is the voice of God leading you. And God says in this word, and I'm going to hopefully say this correctly, that scripture Blessed is the one who has never seen but still believes versus the person who has seen and believes. And so it's blind faith he's teaching us to walk by and see too, which helps us to make it out of this season of Bacillus. So we're coming into September. We've got these four different events coming up uh, that are demonic, September 7th, the 10th, the 21st, and the 22nd. Uh, this first one is the marriage to the beast. Uh, it's innocent blood sacrifices. And it's disgusting. <clears throat> the second one is a full moon. That's where they get rejuvenated. They get transformed uh, by the lesser light. Everything, all their magic is done, pardon me, through the lesser light. The 21st is called the Midnight Host. And that's disgusting too because it both on the 7th and the 21st in, entails dismemberment. And then the 22nd, um, it's a, called a feast day. It's a fall equinox. And so it entails um, orgies and things like that. So it also releases magic in the atmosphere, witchcraft. <clears throat> so you're going to want to stay on top of that and binding that away. Which brings us to the message for you frontrunners and intercessors right now. Based on Job 34, 1 through 36, 33. And this is key for this hour because we are taking hits on all fronts right now where, where God is doing the separating. And, and I'm just going to speak from my heart about this because we, we are seeing it within the ministry that we're having right now that we're doing with, with Ezekiel's will. But we're seeing 
And God's been talking to us about thorny ground and stony ground. When you decree a thing, decree a thing, decree a thing, what does the word fall on? Is your heart, is your heart full of love? Is your heart warm? <clears throat> Pardon me, or have your testings made you bitter? So it's about heart conditions. Because if we know anything about God, God is just. He is just, but he's always looking at the heart. He's always testing the heart. And I think for a season, the church, and I remember these times 20 years ago, and I remember when God brought me back into the church and I was, and I hadn't never been raised in church. I was, I've told you guys, I've been raised listening to Billy Graham on Sundays, <clears throat> but God took me back to church after my father passed away. And boy, was I in for a rude awakening because I didn't know the condition of the church. And, and not like I'm your judge. I'm not your judge, but I couldn't relate. Couldn't relate with the people I met in church. I What I saw was a group of immature people, adults acting like teenagers and, and boasting about it. I saw a religious people who were stuck underneath the law of sin and death and bragging about it. Um, I saw Jezebelian people acting like hell and treating people like hell and bragging about it. And not thinking God was never going to take notice. Not ever. And the prophet in me, uh, double truth, I, that's how God uses me. Some people are given a sword of truth. Usually most Christians are given mercy and truth on both sides of their sword. There's mercy on one, truth on the other side. But there are some vessels that carry double truth, double mercy. And we can't help it. Most likely you're a front runner. I'd be willing to bet you're a front runner if you've been given that. But we've been lifted up for this hour by God to say, hey, this is the way walking in it. That's not God. That's not God. To start showing the church into a better way because God knew these times were coming. He knew this time was coming. He knew he was fixing to test America. And I'm going to go back into, I'll go into that in a second. So stay with me. But we're talking about Job in this conversation. <clears throat> we've talked about all Job's friends. We've talked about every one of them except for Elohu. Elohu. And if you know anything about Elohu, talked about Zophar last time. We talking about we talked about Bildad, I think it's Bildad the first time. But Elohu was able to quote Job's words. He he could he was what do you say? A photographic mindset, a photographic gear, if you went. He could quote Job's words, but he failed to see his heart. He failed to see Job's heart. He could hear what Job was saying with his mouth mouth in his ears, but he Failed to listen with his heart. <clears throat> this is what we see a lot with a stony heart, with a thorny heart. They they hear it, they hear the truth, but it doesn't sink in. It hinders, it's always hindered because of the heart condition. And so Elihu's heart had grown stony through the spirit of religion, <clears throat> and he'd grown unkind. And he was so sure that he knew what he knew about people around him but he'd grown harsh he'd grown unkind and he was so sure of himself that he kept demanding that not only job listened to him but that all of these other friends around him listened to him because he knew he knew he knew the word and then he demanded that they believe him that's in a whole nother ball game and a whole nother part of that conversation where he kept reminding job of everything he'd done wrong without seeing that Job was being tested because of everything he'd done right. See, when we fail to look at the heart, <clears throat> God is not about the outward. He's not about the outward. And, and people may not look like you. They may not dress like you. They may not have the same level of success that you have. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't got something planned in the future. Because he takes the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And so... Elohu was so sure that he had an argument against Job. <clears throat> Sorry. But it was the same old argument made through the spirit of the spirit and the apparatus of religion. But it's been made for years. And it's also the same argument that we see in the church right now with different people wearing this plastic Christianity in this lack of uh, authenticness, I say, I call it lack of authenticity, where 
they think they know so much. I think they know everything about everyone and they're so sure and they listen to everything that everybody else says, but God, they're listening to everybody, but God, they're taking, they, they take the, the message on Sundays at, they take the, the leader at their word instead of going and researching the word for themselves. And that's where we're getting in trouble because God wants them in this hour. How well do you know me? How much are you cultivating your relationship with me so that I know your heart, you know mine, and you're coming into deeper authenticity with me? <clears throat> that's the only way to cultivate it. We each have to have our own relationship with God. I don't want just a relationship with my pastor. I don't want just a relationship with my, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want the main relationship. I want to know him. Because if I know him, then everything else around me aligns. Everything else around me is on par. It's balanced. I'm connected to the right people because they've got the right heart. I'm at the right place at the right time. Because God orders my footsteps if I'm moving with the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. It's all connected. So Elohu was so sure that he knew everything about everyone, especially his friend Job. But God is just and he sees all that we do. <clears throat> And he can't be accused of sin or even being partial because he judges it and he judges it righteously. He looks at everything righteously. He's an all-seeing eye. He's everywhere at the same time. But Elohu was so sure Job had rebelled against God and that he ought to confess and get right with God. And if I were Job, I would have been like, get out of here. Leave. Bye. Get out of my atmosphere. You're like getting on my last nerve. Because how have you ever thought about when people, they see the outward things going on around you? And this is what happened during my testings. Everybody knew me before. They knew when I was not in trouble with the Lord, when I was obedient to the Lord. And then that I went off into my five years of rebellion. And, and then, then I came out of that and God had, was getting me back on track. And they were just so sure. See, and they were coming back with, see, you get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. And I thought, well, if you got what you deserve, we probably wouldn't be talking right now, but I'm not going there. But people think that they know everything about everyone. And, and when I was started going through all these different testings and, and everything started going haywire, how many of you felt like that? You're going through all these hellacious testings. And it was like, see, that's what happens when you don't follow God continuously. The pro said the prodigal son's brother. And, and so I'm just like, you don't know everything you think you know. We don't know everything we, th we think we know because God knew he's, he's omniscient. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the choices I was going to make or that you were going to make before time. And he goes and he's still got a plan for your life. And he's going to, you're going to participate in it, whether you like it or not, unless he decided to take you home because of your just, the only way you can mess up your destiny is just to blatantly rebel and say, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I quit. I'm not doing it, God. And he'll say, okay, I don't have a choice but to bring you home. Because he's coming and he's using the vessels that he's put in the earth. He predestined for you to live in this time, in this place. But you got to do it his way in order to participate in this season's battle. You got to do it his way. So, Elohu... <clears throat> didn't know at this point that he had caused God to pick up an offense against him because of his judgments towards one of his servants whom he was testing on many fronts. And there are many vessels in this hour who are being tested on many fronts and contingent upon how we take those tests will determine how we fare in the future. So there's a transitioning out of the old and into the new at present, and God is trying to figure out which vessel and where he's going to land on, which vessel his spirit is going to land on, and who's going to house his spirit in this hour. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can I go there? Okay, I can't. Sorry. We're talking about revival. Just give you a, a taste of it. That's as much as I can go into that. But Elohu's thinking was this. Who did Job think he was in God's sight? Who do you think you are, Job? Who do you think you are, guys? Who did Job think he was contradicting with these supposedly godly people's thinking and speech? Remember, Job didn't argue with his friends. He stayed there quietly suffering. He was in too much pain. But this person who was judging him 
had this haughtiness about him and acting like, who do you think you are questioning me? When in reality, the entire time, there were actually two testings going on. So the one Job was taking and walking through and the one against his supposed friends. Job was in the process of learning who his true friends were. And his first friend that he found out to be true was God. God was really his true friend. And I'd be willing to bet you that Job didn't talk to any of those other friends any anymore after that testing because he realized who was who. He realized that they weren't there really as true friends. And because not only had God revealed Job's heart and God's heart towards Job, God had revealed that these fake friends who were constantly tracking Job or tried to stay close to Job were only there for moral superiority. Have you ever had those people around you where they only hang around with you because they think you're less than? Or they only want to hang out with you because it make, they feel like it makes them look good where they can point out your sin or they can point out your flaws and the whole time God's eyes on them. So God revealed that the heart conditions of some people sometimes around us, then <clears throat> he's revealing it in this hour, will hinder us from being able to stand with them in the future. He's revealing who is who and he's showing us who's going to be able to stand with us in our inner circle in the future. We become who we hang around. You remember that, right? So if he's removed you out of different environments, whether it's a church environment or a family environment or a friend environment or a boyfriend environment or a girlfriend environment or job environment, he's done it because he's got some way, a specific way he's going to use you. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily did anything wrong. It probably means that thing came to a close and God saw the end from the beginning and he's trying to reinstate you in a new season. But some people can't go where God's taking you. Not everybody can go where God's taking you. Because not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, or friend, friend, really knows God or you, let alone your heart. Only God knows the heart. And what we're seeing in the Christian community in this hour is the chaff being forced to the surface of every person's vessel or every person's heart where God is showing us what people truly think about us. They can't hide it anymore. Have you noticed that? People can't hide what's really on their mind or in their hearts because out of the heart flow the issues of life. And so we're seeing, thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me back up about this because I, I, I had a call last night. I feel led to talk about this. And matter of fact, my, my best, one of my close friends gave me the definition of spiritual nomad or digital nomad, excuse me. And I thought that's a really unique term. And she said, yeah, that's half the body right now. We've become digital nomads. And I thought, that is so true, man. That is so true. Hey, Watchmen. And so we're, we're seeing in this hour that the body, those that are truly walking with the Lord, God is pulling them out of those environments that were once safe because they've become unsafe. They've become unwhole. They've become dysfunctional. Even if it's in a church, he's pulling us out because he's not going to have you spend the rest of your life walking wounded. He's not going to do that anymore. He's letting us see, and I don't know about you, but this is what my good friend and I were talking about. She lives in Australia, and she made the comment that really troubled me, but she said, you know, I went to church last Sunday, Missy, and I sat there for two hours, and what I saw disgusted me, and I said, what happened? And she said, it's good to see you guys. She said, I saw people competing with each other. And what did I just preach on last Friday? What did the Lord have me just preach on? She said, I saw people that were insecure. They were so freaking jealous of one another. She goes, there was envy. And she goes, oh, and she's prophetic as I'll get out. She's so accurate. She goes, there was strife. And I said, well, you know, I go, we're in a season right now where God is bringing all this stuff to the surface. And she goes, really? She goes, is that what that was? She goes, because I told my friend that invited me, she goes, don't ever invite me to this church again. <laughs> she goes, don't ever invite me to this church again. She goes, 
I wasted two hours of my life sitting there getting nothing. And I said, well, are you, do you have a church you're going to be going to? And she says, I'm looking for a new one. She goes, but that's not it. And I said, yeah, because God's bringing people back home to the heart of the matter. He, they're looking for authenticity. People are looking for the real deal. We're tired of the disingenuousness. We're tired of the dysfunction. We're tired of leaders putting up with it and not doing something about it. We're tired of them ch- not changing because everybody is in the process right now. And this is my experience with where we're at is that God is creating a team. This isn't a one man show or a one woman show anymore. It's not that season's long over with. It's a team. We're all in this together. And when we can understand how a team operates, I'm sorry, my head is over there. I'll get it. I'll move the strawberry so you can see me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. And it keeps going over. Stop it. I'm going to have to move my screen over in a second. Okay, let me stay on track. But he's creating a team. God's creating a team. And if you know anything about a team, teams know how to function. Every person, an effective team that, that's functional knows its position. Every person on that team has a position. We have gifts and callings. We know what we bring to the table. I'm not worried about your gifts and callings. I'm not trying to be you. You're not trying to be me. We're just trying to plug in to meet the goal. So with that, I have to ask each one of you for this season with where God has you. Why are you here? I had to ask our teams that the other day. Why are you here? Why are you at Ezekiel's will? What is your ultimate goal? Don't give me a religious answer. Don't give me the answer you think I want to hear. I want you to ask yourself, why am I here? What is my ultimate goal? Because God's ultimate goal for every one of us right now is to find a a vessel that he can land on. He's here to, to look for vessels he can land on and manifest in the fullness of his glory. And our ultimate goal, matter of fact, that... If you've ever never had that happen, this will be my third time in my life if, if God allows this. And I'm not being braggadocious. It's just the way my life has been. My life has been supernatural from the day my, hit, my feet hit the pavement. But the Lord allowed me to experience it as a little girl, as a young woman. Little girl, young woman. And then the 80s and the 80s with the first uh, glory. That's when the first glory hit. I don't know if you're aware about that. That's why everybody loved the 80s. Not because they were the 80s. It was because it was the the season of love. It was the first season of love. And now I asked the Lord because I was getting freaked out when I was praying for this ministry. And I was like, God, why don't you ever have this praying, you know, for people in the future to be anointed like this? He said, because I don't have a need for any other vessels in the future to carry the glory. I won't have that need for any other vessels to come into this environment to release the glory. He goes, it'll already be here and it will start releasing into future generations. He goes, so this is it. This is it. And he goes, and then the ends will, the end will come the end will come. And so I got a little freaked out because I thought, okay, so we got a lot bigger, <clears throat> lot bigger stake on our plate than we knew we were about to bite into. So, We've got to know why we're here. We've got to know why we're here. And I don't know about you, but if you've never experienced the manifestation of God's presence on your vessel, where you lay hands on the sick and they get healed, where you put hands on blind eyes and they see, where you see limbs grow out. I've seen this stuff, man. I saw it in New York, New Jersey. I saw it when God used me up there for ministry and portals of healing were open. I'm not bragging to you. I'm just telling you. I live for this stuff. I love it. I love it. I love seeing people transformed. And so if you get that taste of the fullness of God and his presence on your vessel, you're plugged into your gifts. And I'm not worried about anybody else. I just want to see people get set free. And I want them to see the reality of my God and how good he is. How good he is. And when they see, that's what's so cool even too. It's not just about reading their mail. They see the manifestation of the healing and they know he's real. He's real. And when he shows up, you never want to be anywhere else. And when he shows up on your vessel, you get to carry that glory throughout the rest of your life if you cultivate it. So it's your whole purpose of being born. 
to carry him, to be little Jesus's in skin, so the world may see him. But if we've got everybody doing their own thing, and they're so worried about, look at me, look at me, look at me, and, and I'm, I'm more important than you are. I'm just as important to God as you are, and, and he loves me as much as he loves you. Who cares? Grow the heck up. Grow up. That's childishness. That's just when I was a child, I acted as a child. But now that I'm becoming a man or woman of God, I'm putting away all childlike ways. So the old now has got to pass away. God realized they didn't come up. They didn't come up. But I do have a remnant that did. Let's move forward. So Job was very important to God. He was very, very important to God. And, and we're, we're seeing people right now, just like Job was seeing, we're seeing people for who they really are or who they're not. And so what Job didn't know, though, and what you didn't know, <clears throat> what America didn't know, is that Job was so important to God, and some of you are so important to God, and you've been so judged by man. So Satan came to God, and he said, let me sift them. Let me sift them. Can I sift them? And just like he asked to sift America. Did you know that? Satan asked to sift America. And God allowed the sifting because God has been in the season of sifting hearts. To show people the truth from a lie. To force people to choose life or death. We're in a season of sifting. Who are you choosing? You can't, you can't serve two masters. And like Elohu, who criticized Job for questioning God on his life, what Elohu fell to see within? He didn't look at his own heart. He didn't judge himself for speaking wrongly on God's behalf. How many leaders do we have doing this right now in this hour? Because they've been operating in the five-fold ministry for so long, and they haven't been getting cleaned up. And they're so sure that they're so right because of, Sizes and platforms, sizes and people, <clears throat> pardon me, but God's not into quantity, he's into quality. And it's prideful for any man or woman to think that they have perfect knowledge of being God's spokesman or, spokesman or defender. God doesn't need us to defend him. Did you know that? He can defend himself just fine. And the apostle Paul actually depicted this beautifully. Because Paul, I don't know if you know anything about Paul, Paul went to heaven and back many, many times, and he'd been shown the great mysteries of God and about heaven, but he never, never made any claims like what Elohu was doing. He never did that because he always maintained humility in his gift. Paul knew it was God flowing through him, and he also knew God could stop the flow at any moment. But when we make our gifts our identity, we're setting ourselves up for failure and judgment. We're not our gifts. They are tools God gives us to operate in kingdom. And by the way, there's a movie out right now that talks about, to me, it's about operating as a team and preparing you for kingdom. Um, and I'm going to tell you before you watch it, I don't want you thinking I'm some heathen. What did she have me go watch? Oh my God. She's a heathen. No, I'm going to tell you it's Hollywood. It's the state we live in right now. Uh, there's some, there's a part in there where a guy runs around nude. <gasps> Everybody's like, Oh my God. I can't believe she's telling me to watch it. It's, it's, they're on a college campus and it's a tradition of the college where they do this stupid thing. It's Hollywood. Fast forward it. If it offends you, if you're not adult enough to watch it, but the message of it is this. It's about a rowing team. It's called the Heart of a Champion. And it's about this military coach who was ex-military, and he comes in. And this rowing team was losing um, rowing meat after rowing meat. And he teaches them to operate as a team. He teaches them to operate as a team. And he teaches them to quit being so self-focused. It's not just all about me. It's not just always about you. It's in our learning to use our gifts together to bring the common goal into manifestation. What is our goal? Why are you here? My goal is to see the glory again. My goal is to help the love come back. That's what God told me in heaven 35 years ago when I walked in heaven the first time. 
He said, I'm sending you because I thought I wanted to stay. Every time you go to heaven, you want to stay. I'm going to tell you. And God quit letting me go in the gates because I want to stay. It's just a lot of fun. Heaven is a blast. But when I went in the first time, I asked to stay. And he said, no, you haven't accomplished what you set out to accomplish yet. I said, what is that? And he said, that's to help bring the glory and the love back. And so that's when I got my keys. That's when everything took off. That's when all hell let loose. And here we are. We're having such a great time together. So no matter how smart you think you are, you never know enough to play God in the life of another. Which brings us to 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Nothing to hide. You're coming into Christ's flaws and all. And actually, Paul is another topic of this conversation because in Paul's day, unlike the legalist that he ran into, <clears throat> when he got saved, he had nothing to hide. How many of you feel like you have nothing to hide? And, and it's funny because when I first got saved, I could relate with Peter because Peter's more grace-oriented. He's more of these people. It's like, let's let, let it all hang out. And I don't care what you think kind of a thing. But then at some point, you got to get some balance in your life or you just look like a big fool. <laughs> and you look like, okay, at some point, you can't let it all hang out. Or you look like you're like loosey-goosey without your mind. So you've got to pull it into middle, mid, the middle of the road here. And so God helps you to start understanding the law and the standards of God. He helps us to start understanding that we need both. We, we want to get out from under the law of sin and death, but we have to have the law in order to have standards because it teaches us how to live. Okay? So, but then we have to have grace. We have to have grace for one another in our flaws because there's no perfect people, right? There are no perfect people. There never will be perfect people except outside of Jesus. So when they both come together, they act like a dichotomy, Paul and Peter, because it's like almond joy. Almond joy's got that. <laughs> I like the body of Christ. We got a few nuts. No, I'm just joking. Okay, so back to the point. So Peter represents grace. Paul represents the standard. And in order to be effective in our walks, we have to maintain the balance between the two so love can operate at its highest level. <clears throat> but a lot of us didn't experience this in church growing up. And I was going to tell you a story about that, but we're running out of time. Um, and so God's trying to get us right now to see the awkwardness that the spirit of religion creates in our growth. And how hurtful it can be because of how people treat you when they find out about your flaws. Have you ever noticed when you start being yourself around some people that operate in the spirit of religion, they can't handle the truth. They can't handle the fact that you're not perfect. <gasps> you mean you're not like me? <gasps> oh my God, I can't be friends. Oh no, it's a catastrophe. I'm like, what? The What? What barn were you raised in? I'm thinking, what planet did you fall off of? There are you so, part of you wants to say to some of these people, are you so morally superior above everybody else that you've forgotten that nobody sees how you act behind the scenes? But God does. God does. Matter of fact, it's all coming up now. And by, by the way, your sin will find you out. You can't hide who you really are. You can't do that. So we might as well just come clean and be ourselves, right? That would be authentic. That that would be authentic, right? So that, that was my church experience when we started. But God sees all. And no matter the past of the believer, no matter the, no matter the failures, none of us should ever have anything to hide. We should never want to veil the gospel, but to reveal it through love in Christ within us. And then if we do that, because if you don't understand this, if you keep veiling the gospel because of your moral superiority, people aren't ever going to see Jesus. All they're going to see is your plastic Christianity and your wrong perception about who you think God is versus who he says he is. So we limit his love to others, which actually in God's eyes is haughtiness of spirit. It's a critical eye that, that operates in a superiority over other people. And it's a turnoff. Did you know that? You've, you could possibly cause people to stumble. But to me, people that genuinely love, every heart in the body should seek to make the janitor as welcome as they make the CEO feel. No matter what level we operate on, that is the love I know. And love keeps no records of wrongs. No record of the past or the present. It only looks to help a heart make its way into the future. The initial way God planned for that heart to live. So I know that in order for you to get there, I see God in you. Hopefully I'm looking for the good in you like Jesus does. I'm not trying to beat you down over what you're currently operating in. I'm just trying to help bring out the real you. That's our job, right? That's God's goal. 
which brings the glory of service. And Paul paid a high price for his ministry, if you don't know anything about him. But the legalist went about collecting fleshly honors without realizing that we all need vessels of honor to serve others in honor as though they were the most important person on earth. This is the king's way. This is the way all hearts should serve in this hour because we should be here serving at the pleasure of the king. We're not here to serve ourselves. Why are you here? Why are you here? I agree that vessels have to be clean and available for use, but just because you see me in the middle of my story doesn't mean I'm disqualified for God's glory. Because I've gone through many, many testings of God as have you, with which many, many people have wrongfully judged me like Job. Except God. And now I've learned who my true friends are because he's my best friend. God has become my best friend. And I'm letting him bring in others who will love me like the disciples did Jesus. They learned to love God. Do you know how to love God? Do you know how to receive love from God so you can love others in a healthy way? Because people aren't supposed to be here beating up one another. We get enough of that from unbelievers. It should have never happened in the church. It should have never happened in the church. And the cliques, by the way, you people that operate and, and maintain your little cliques, God's fixing to blow that to smithereens. You might as well just walk away while you're ahead. God hates them. He hated the Pharisees. He hates cliques because it always makes somebody feel like they don't, they're not loved. He's not into it. Which brings us to Psalms 44, 1 through 8. We're doing pretty good. Where it talks about a crisis or man-made dilemmas. Where it seemed like God had forsaken his people and was helping the enemy as Israel was scattered as a people. And they'd fallen away from love. What do you do when it looks like God's on the side of the enemy? Because I think what God's trying to show us or America in this hour is that if, if we don't learn from the past and if we don't learn when we're in bad times, what we've come out of, when God has warned us over and over and over again, then we have nobody but ourselves to blame when we find ourselves in captivity. As a matter of fact, if we made choices all along the way and had we listened to the Lord, our outcomes would have been different. We could have abided in the land of milk and honey, but instead we, many of us chose to do things our own way. How many of you have, you, have, you have caught yourself saying that? If only... If only, shoulda, woulda, coulda. But this again is not a time to beat yourself up. God's given you a new opportunity to do what's right, to serve him. Why are you here? Why are you here? Your situation right now may be very painful. God has not changed and he'll still do wonders. Because God allows defeat sometimes. But we come to a trust in him like we've never known. If we choose to follow him again not ourselves. And despite our challenges, we're all called to remain faithful despite the testings. Maybe going through a test right now, and some of you may be questioning God right now, but you have to remember, let's go back to Job. Let's remember Satan's lie about Job. Because if you know anything about that situation, Satan was challenging God through Job's friends, to prove that Job's faith wasn't real. How real is your faith? Are you authentic? How real is your love for God? Are you authentic? Why are you here? Are you here to serve yourself? Are you here to build your own kingdom instead of God's kingdom? God is not here to be about man's business. We're supposed to be about God's business. And God is tired of the superficiality. He's seen the heartbreak. He's seen the sheep scattered. He's seen the hurt. And he's disgusted. I've spent time with my father. He grieves over the condition of the church. That's why he brought me back. Not like I'm some tell-all be-all, but because there are others like me walking in thinking, what the? We're like, what is this? Is this a clown show? No order? And I'm looking at people, and I stayed to myself the first segment. <laughs> it felt like a long segment. But, and I didn't fit in. And then I thought, and then God started just showing up. You just get, you can't help but be who you are. 
and God would start showing me stuff about people. And they, they, they told me, you're a witch. You're this. What? No, no, I don't practice that at all. You're getting the two confused because the church hadn't learned about the fivefold yet. Or had I at that point. I was just being trying to help people. So here we are now. So now God has worked us out of this performance place with the fivefold where everybody's looking at their gifts to be on show thinking their gifts are their identity. And God's like, I didn't give you your gifts for you. I gave it to you to be used as an instrument of God so I could flow through you and bless my people. It's not about you. Matter of fact, you need to move off that stage. You were never meant to be there to take my glory. But in this hour, God is proving whose faith is commercial and whose, whose faith is authentic. Are you faithful to God only because of what he does for you? And if you're a leader, are you faithful to God only because of how it makes you feel to be front and center instead of allowing him to be front and center? That's not our job. Our job is to glorify him and point people to him. And I know all of this, this whole little thing here, this, my background and the technology and whatever I've got going, you know, I, I do this because I'm an artist. But if it goes away, would you still come and listen to the message? Why are you here? Why are you here? So our testings come in a way for God to see the intentions of our heart towards him. So that he can see if we have staying power, if we're in it for the long haul, are we just in it for what we can get out of him? Because I don't know about you, any person that's ever been in relationship with me, um, if they're only in it for what they can get out of me, if they're here to use me, I'm not really excited about that person or about relating with them very, very much. I lose interest because I'm thinking that you're not trying to get to know me. You don't want to see my heart. You don't want to, you don't, because there should be common goals in every relationship, in every friendship. There should always be common goals and you should always be moving towards the same one if you're for Christ. Always. Why are you here? And I have to ask people now, why are you here? Do you have your own agenda? Do you come into this ministry with your own agenda? Do you say, hey, let me show you what I can do for you. And God showed me this about you. And he showed me, I've got mentors around me who minister to me all the time. They're guiding me. They're, 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 they're correcting me all the time. Why are you here? Which brings us to Proverbs 22, 10 through 12, where it states, as we wrap this up today, throw out the mocker and fighting goes to quarrels and insults will disappear and whoever loves a pure heart and gracious speech will have the king as a friend the lord preserves those with knowledge but he ruins the plans of the treachery see we can think we know everything about everyone we can think we know what the king is saying what the king is doing but he's always looking at heart are you a friend of the king? And he's asking today, why are you here? Do you want to know the king as a friend? Because he wants to know you. I want to thank you for listening today. And thank you for being a part of the 15-Minute Rev. We do these on Tuesdays and Fridays. You can come back on Friday. I'll have a different design, whatever that's worth. Again, I do it for me. Sometimes... I almost forgot the other day, and the Lord said, you better go do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it looked kind of boring blank. But anyway, we do them on Tuesdays and Fridays. I'm Dr. Missy. Uh, this is Ezekiel's Will's Ministry. Uh, uh, if you go, let me see if I can get it. my finger right underneath the right thing here. Right there, if you go to that website, you can go check us out. We have different materials there. Um, and if you want to be a part of a tribe, if you're looking for a home, email me at yeshuanavigator at gmail.com. You have to have a grace to front run. So we'd love to talk to you. Um, and if you have felt like you were never accepted somewhere, that you're kind of just kind of a little quirky bird. That's kind of what we are. Gifts of love, trying to serve others and, and be uh, what God needs us to be in order to be a part of his end-time army. And so with that, I'm going to leave you with that. But I love you, and I look forward to seeing you on Friday. Until then, go have yourself a great Tuesday. I'm going to go talk to my allergist. I'll see you soon. Bye.